Hello everyone and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and I am happy to be with you this week after we were unable to provide uh, a broadcast last week doing the ice capades of Dallas. <laughs> we were inundated with ice for a couple of days, which is awful if you're out in it, but it really, if you're a if you're a Dallasite, you, you recognize that it, it's a time, it's almost like a, an unplanned vacation if you do it right. And you can spend time with the Lord, which I tried to do. We had a house guest, uh, and uh, so that was a, a wonderful point of entertaining. Um, but um, I, uh, I'm grateful for what God is doing, how he's giving us all opportunity to to spend time with him, and um, but I'm really happy to be back, and I trust that you're ready to study the Word of God together with me today, and we're going to be talking about the presence of God. Our seminar for the Saints Network in March, March 14 through 18, is entitled The Presence. Now. I know that a lot of people ask me, is it his presence or the presence? Well, there's really two dynamics uh, involved in those separate titles. The first is his presence, which is something that's endearing, something that we are, as sons, invited into and to know him there. But the presence is something that describes not only that, glorious privilege, but the effect of the presence of God in the nations and in the spirit realm and in spiritual warfare. So, yes, we value his presence. It's what makes it all so delightful in partnering with God. What a privilege to be welcomed into the intimacies of our Heavenly Father. But we recognize that as glorious as that is, as privileged as we are to be walking in that, to be developed in that, what we represent globally and throughout the, the realms that God created is the presence. The enemy recognizes the presence. He hates his presence and what that means for us, he's always hated that. He's, he's always detested God's desire and creative willingness to welcome us as his creatures into his presence. But throughout the spirit realm, it is the presence that is recognized. The enemy detests both, but there is a distinguishing between the two. So today... We want to talk a bit about his presence. And we want to look at the book of Job. Not long ago, we talked about how the enemy viewed Job and uh, the three facets of what the enemy identified as being Job's portion with God. That's not our lesson today. You can easily find that on archives. But we want to look at what Job said about God's presence. And one of the things that we could study, and I'm inviting you to study this, I don't know this of a certainty, but we will probably present a more detailed picture of what I'm going to reference during our seminar gathering. We'll see. There's just so much to choose from, and I I ask that you pray for me that I'll be sensitive enough to know out of all the wonders that God is showing us in the depths of his word, what parts of that need to be presented at our seminar. But Job provides us with a wonderful assessment of what happens in his presence. And... <clears throat> Throughout his writing, 
he gives us a very interesting uh, expose, as it were. That's probably not a good word. An exposition on the combination between Elohim and El Shaddai in regard to his presence. And that's very important. So let's just read now uh, Job 23. We're going to look at verses 14 through 16. For he performs the thing that is appointed for me. Many such things are with him. Therefore am I troubled at his presence. When I consider I am afraid of him. Elohim makes my heart soft. But El Shaddai troubles me. Because I'm not cut off from before the darkness. Neither has he covered the darkness from my face. Lots to unpack in this. And we can talk about the identity that each of us have that God has appointed for us and what he wants to do in and through us while we're on this earth and then that sets the stage for eternity many such things are with him in that we can also see in verse 17 the last verse we read that um, Job now seemed to have no barrier between him and the darkness and the darkness is right before his face. So Job is getting a really clear picture of what the enemy camp uh, is intended to do, which is one of the things we're grateful for because we see a depiction through Job of Behemoth and Leviathan. I mean, not just a depiction, a, a dossier. And I don't want to dwell on that. Maybe God will want us at some point when we're in the thick of the battle, particularly regarding the mysteries of the enemy camp. The mysteries of Babylon, I believe, are very much controlled and manipulated by Behemoth. And, and I believe that Leviathan, of course, is on the front lines of spiritual warfare and battle, guarding over the, what he perceives as the territories of the darkness. We may need to... We already know that, we already have ascertained that, but the particular particulates of it, we've, we've not really broken down and parsed out. Because, you know, again, we, we wait for the Spirit to guide us, and, and in a way I'm kind of glad we've not done it to this point, because once this starts happening, we're going to be in the thick of battle, and that's not going to be a delight for any of us. We will delight in the Lord, but spiritual warfare in its, in its essence for the kingdom is a ferocious thing. And God, uh, even me talking about it, makes me sense that it's, uh, it's going to be being unveiled in a, in a more close-up way in the days to come. We would know that's happening if we read the Bible at all with any candor. We, we have to see that the things God prophesied and spoke are going to happen and those are not going to be fun, jump up in the air and click your heels days. They're coming and, and you, you can look around you right now and see the propensity of evil for those of you who are in other countries, um, when I grew up, there were three major news networks on television. Central Broadcast System, NBC, and, uh, and, uh, and, and ABC. NBC, CBS, ABC. And um, I... Um, um, I would watch those. Those were the only things that were um, 
that were on TV. PBS came along later, and then, of course, the influx of UHF signals came. But these were respected, not so much now. They're, they're left-wing media weapons. But it got worse this past Sunday night for the Grammy Awards. Now, I don't watch them. I mean, I, I think uh, I just don't have the energy for that. But there was a guy on there who dressed up uh, as if he were to be a, a minion of the demonic. And he represented some kind of a gender flux thing. And he sang a song about Satan, and the whole stage was lit up bright red. He had people dancing around him, uh, emulating demons. And CBS advertised this. And one of the things they said online was, get ready to worship. And our dear friends Pfizer were the ones who, um, who uh, paid, sponsored this broadcast. Now, I'm not a conspiratorialist. I'm not. I mean, there's a thin line between being a conspiracy, a conspiracy nut and seeing the, the open conspiracies that are around you. You know, measure twice, cut once. Uh, we can't be the boy who cried wolf because that will absolutely eliminate anything of note that we really have to say. But I don't remember there being such a blatant, demonic thing. Now, we talked about during uh, some athletic games in England, they brought in a bull that represented sacrifice to Baal and uh, into the stadium, and you know, people were dancing around it, and the, the UK news media, who should have known what that was, they probably did, just thought it was the greatest thing in the world, but it really was a sacrifice to the demonic. We're seeing these kinds of things. It's not off in a corner somewhere where you have some youth pastor playing uh, Led Zeppelin records backwards to see the masking of the demonic. There's no masking in this. This is just openly. We're seeing it, and it get, it's getting more blatant, worse and worse. So... The things of the end time are here. The stages are being set right now. You know that God is preparing us as his saints for the things that his word says we will be doing in the times of the end. We're, we're not only being prepared for them now, we're being utilized now by God. So... Um, perhaps at some point, not for seminar, we'll look more clearly into the nuts and bolts of Behemoth and Leviathan as described by Job. But the darkness was in his face, and God wasn't cutting him off from it. And we're the beneficiaries. And, you know, this isn't our topic, but you look, uh, you look at verse 24, which is the very next verse. Seeing that times are not hidden from El Shaddai, do they not know, do they that know him not see his days? Look at this. This isn't my message. Some remove the landmarks. Hmm. What that means is destroying history and your foundations, good or bad. They violently take away flocks and feed thereof. They drive away the ass from the fatherless. They take the widow's ox for a pledge. They turn the needy out of the way. On it goes. But Shaddai sees the day. So let's look at really our topic for the day. I, I digressed very nicely. Um, verse 15 says that Job was troubled at his presence. And in the next verse, he says that El Shaddai was the dimension of God that troubles him. Same word. Um, 
verse 15 says, when I consider, when I function as a son with understanding, I'm afraid. I, I'm filled with a sense of awe. While Elohim makes my heart soft and tender. It's the dimension of El Shaddai in conjunction with his presence that really alerts the heart. Now why is that? And if you want to do a study, for those of you with olive tree, just type in God, you know, in the magnifying glass up there. It's just simple. You should know how to search on this by now. You type in God, then you do in caps A-N-D, which is AND. And then you go out of caps and you type Almighty. And you'll see the combination between Elohim and El Shaddai. There are other participle, part, parts of this that are scattered throughout the word. But that's just a very simple general study. And you'll see that I don't have a percentage, but most of the time, the only combinative... Elohim and Shaddai are together. Now, you can study in um, Exodus. Let me get it just so I don't misquote it. The book of Exodus, when God is speaking to Moses, we've, we've written about this in the Names of God book. God, Elohim, spoke to Moses and said, Exodus 6, 2, I am Yahweh. I appeared unto Abraham and Isaac and Jacob by the name Elohim Shaddai. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. Why is that? We preached on this before. Because God, God comes to us as Elohim, his heart, he wants to know us and love us. El Shaddai is that dimension of training, a part of, part of God, not a bunch of little gods running around. That's a demonic doctrine. And it's embraced by a lot of people who should know better. But it's just not true. God is one. He is only one. He comes in many different dimensions to us so that we can hopefully understand him. Um, so God, Elohim, comes to Moses and says, you know what, I, I am also Yahweh, Jehovah. I, I am a heart, I am a loving God, but I also have a plan for my people. I have a plan for all creation. I, I am a God. Uh, Jehovah is the one dimension of me that is devoted to what I ordain to do. But El Shaddai is the dimension of God wherein we are, we, we are trained. We are like a like an instructor in this now it's not this word in the new testament but in hebrews it speaks about who god loves his sons but whoever god loves he chastens and he, he speaks about this relationship so even though it's loving and it's for the good there's nothing diabolical or uh, horrid about it God comes through El Shaddai as one that is with us in the valleys, in the challenges, but it's for the purpose of training us and forming us so that we can function in the timing of God and so that we can function uh, in fulfilling what God has created us to be. And so Moses is told this. He's about to be presented onto the world stage against the greatest civilization in ancient times. And um, he's about to partner with Yahweh for 
for really a debut type of demonstration. You know, you, you tell me. You tell me. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are the big three, aren't they? God clearly says, I appeared to them as Elohim. And I developed them, tried to anyway, God Almighty, Elohim Shaddai. But Jehovah, I didn't use them in that way. Now, there you go. Now, he did, you know, we've studied this. You can nitpick it, but you can't dismiss what he says right here very clearly. He was there. He's God. He knows everything. And I know that there were times in Abraham's life where he did mention that Abram was a part of the plan. And he mentioned the Lord. I, I know that. I know that. But on a grand international scale, he didn't use them that way. Moses, he used that way. We are to be used that way. We're being used that way now. This is a privilege. But there you see God Almighty. Uh, this is how God trains the sons. Elohim and El Shaddai. And we must see that. We, we must recognize that. In fact, I, I don't again, don't quote me on this. I shouldn't even say these things. I don't know why I say them. But if there was some way that we could do kind of a, a just a weekly snippet kind of review of El Shaddai from the Scripture, just for devotions, for study, I'd do it. I'll think about that. I, I don't know how I could do it because, you know, we, we it takes work to come up here to the booth and do things, and then you wonder, are people actually listening to this, or am I just flapping my gums up here, you know? So I don't, I don't want to waste time. We, you know, we're planning for this March seminar. We're planning for um, Brazil in a big, big-time production for the Lord. Uh, we're planning for France right now. We've got a couple of weddings mixed in. We've got the, the daily grind of, of what God has us doing as saints. I'm not complaining, oh, woe is me. But we do need to remember what we've learned. And I'm concerned about the saints because I know God's given us a lot. But I think I don't think we really recognize that we've got to be conversant with what God shows us. You know, I, I appreciate so many of you who are are ardent stewards of the mysteries of the Lord. You know, I every week I meet with Luke and Sylvie Vinichon to, to present our message of the week. We meet now on Tuesdays. We used to meet on Mondays, but now we meet on Tuesdays. And whether it was Monday or Tuesday, Luke would listen to my Sunday sermon three times before he translated for me. Now, I appreciate that. God bless anybody who has to listen to me four times because he heard the Sunday message. But he wants to be able to know how to translate. And I know that that has to set those words from the scripture deep into both him and Sylvie. That's great. I'm not asking any of you to do that much, but at least you should study to show yourself approved. And you should know the pneumonicos definitions, which are from the scripture, that God has revealed to us. And so, those names of God are vital for us to grasp, because when we see them, we, we're not baffled, we're not flummoxed. We recognize when God says this, you know, I met with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and I came to them in a loving way, and I taught them, I trained them, I brought them through difficult times so that I could expose them to the nuances of who I am and what they're supposed to be in me. That's Elohim Shaddai. Now, Job, then, speaks about that combination 
over and over again. I'm just looking. I did what I told you to do, God and Almighty. Now, that's in English, but it helps you here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and then there's a derivative. Fourteen times, clearly, at least, in Job, he speaks about this combinative of Elohim and Shaddai. I think that is phenomenal. Even the first instance of it in Job. Look at what, if you did it, you'll see it. Job 8, 5. If you would seek Elohim at times, make your supplication to Shaddai. Whoa. Spirit of grace and supplication is one of the seven spirits of God. We recognize how vital it is. We've studied it. We've tried to welcome it in partnering with God in His grace. Here, Job speaks about Elohim, and then he says when you start offering supplication, yeah, you're dealing with God in all of His ways according to grace, but who you're really dealing with is the dimension of God known as Shaddai. And so supplication is going to put you in a test to overcome and to learn. Hannah felt that. Here she was offering supplication. Was it easy for her? No. What did she learn? Well, I'm sure she learned a lot. Did God break through and bless Israel? Well, yeah, Samuel was on the way because of this. Was it easy for her? No. Was she dealing with the, the brightest bulb in the, in the, on the shelf when she dealt with Eli and Hophni and Phinehas? No. Her supplication wasn't easy. But through it, she had to be dealing with the dimension of God's name known as Shaddai. So, we come back to our topic regarding the presence. And we revisit um, what is said here in Job 23, our signature passage. And we see that he is troubled at the presence of God. And it's because Shaddai, the next verse, is troubling him. What does troubled mean? Well, it means to be alerted. It means to be made uh, to some degree uncomfortable, not from a sadistic frame, but from an overcoming frame. And it also involves wanting to escape it, wanting to run away. If the depth in verse 15, when I, when I am understanding on a deeper level as, as a son would, um, I'm, I'm in awe. I'm afraid. You combine these two things in regard to the presence being afraid or in awe, but, but not just, wow, awesome, but really have a riveting experience to the depth of the core of who you are. Um, you, you have um, a measure of also being troubled for the purpose of being trained. If you're going to be in God's presence, if you're going to function in God's presence, you, you better know the protocol and you better submit to his training. You know, one of the goofy things that we watch in Western society is what happens with European kings. We got 
a lot of tabloid uh, exposés of that with um, the new book Spare that came out and the hidden secrets of protocol within the royal family in England. Um, and, and before you go off onto white su supremacy and colonialism, I mean, uh, let me tell you, I, I've been privileged to travel in many nations in Africa and minister with a lot of different wonderful African people. And when they talk about their kings and they talk about way, the way they're treated, you better lighten up before you nail the British because there's a lot of craziness that goes on in the true African culture. But it's the same thing in, in other parts of the world. But my point is, to, to, to dwell in human terms in relating to royalty, there are a lot of rules. There are a lot of things that are do's and don'ts. A lot of it makes us commoners laugh and think how ridiculous that is. But when it comes to God, He is so am amazing. That's saying it lightly. And when, when we're dealing with what he wants to have done, and we're dealing with his power, and we're, we're dealing with what he has prophesied that has to be not one jot or tittle overlooked. You're trained. You know, you've, you've heard about some of the near misses that have happened with our air traffic control in the past several months, at least four recently uh, near misses of airplanes from our airports. Um, it shows that somewhere in those towers or I'm not blaming it all on the towers, but if, if you've got two planes being told to come onto the same runway, that's a tower problem. It's not Southwest's problem. It's not FedEx's problem. It could be. Now, Harrison Ford famously landed his little plane on a, a hot runway and said, oh, I'm sorry. That was his error. But we want, if you're on one of those planes, you want precision in the coordination of all those flights. I marvel at how London Heathrow, with their two runways, manage all those flights coming in and out. I, I don't know how they do it, but you, you've got to have expertise there. You would hope that people in the medical community have a measure of expertise, and that's hopefully what they're being trained in. When you're dealing with God, and you're saying, I desire to know you and to be your son, I want to dwell in your presence, and I want to represent you in the presence. Oh, it's glorious. It's wonderful. You may have what Monica described on Sunday and what I've described in the past about a feeling when God comes on you, not all the time, but a feeling when God comes on you of breathlessness and wanting to, to flee, or as Sandra would say, bolt. Um, that, that's what this word conveys. Troublings. The breathlessness. You know, back in the old days, us Pentecostal purists, we be in services, we'd line people up, we'd lay hands on people, and many of them would fall out in the Spirit. Some of them, I know this, I'm not mocking, but some of them had a real experience with God where when God touched them, they were out. Others, the experience overwhelmed them. Others were just, they liked the feeling. I'm, not, I'm just saying, I ministered this for many years, lived it. Why not just be honest about it? I told this story once uh, before 
when I was in junior high school, we had a, a youth, kind of a youth weekend retreat. And these hippie guys, they had really long hair, which was kind of cool. Man, that was cool. They played the guitar, too. They weren't from California, so I don't know. They must have escaped from out there. Um, anyway, they were singing and playing, and they uh, everybody wanted to get filled with the Spirit to speak in tongues. So they, they were laying hands on people, and some of the kids fell out in the Spirit. There was one boy who was crippled, and I knew him. He was a nice kid. I always felt sorry for him. He never, he never lamented his fate. He was funny. He was a good kid. But he was in his wheelchair. They prayed for him, and he fell out of that chair. I mean, fell front forward, and his body could not have done that. He did not have the musculature to do that. He fell forward, and after a few, you know, there's a lot of chaos that goes on when people are being ministered to. I'm not mocking it. I'm just saying it. It's not. It's not in order. I'm trying to make it in order, but you can't. But after a few minutes, I was the one that noticed that his arm was laying up against one of those old radiator heaters that's so popular in in so many uh, places in the north and in Europe. And those things back then got blazing hot. You always wanted to keep your babies away from them so they didn't crawl over and touch it, which they did at times if you weren't really paying attention. Well, this kid's arm was laying there, and, and it had been laying there, and I, I noticed it, but it didn't dawn on me just as a 12-year-old. Hey, Eric's arm is up against that thing, and it's blazing hot. And I ran over and grabbed his arm away from there. And, and I noticed, I looked to see if he got burned. Because you can get burned on those very easily. His arm was just as normal as could be. It felt hot, but it wasn't burned. And I touched the radiator, and I moved my hand back really quickly. Um, it was a miracle. Now, some would say, well, did he receive the Spirit? Yeah, he did. He had a wonderful encounter with the Lord. Did God heal him? No, he got him back up in his wheelchair. Maybe we should have said, arise, stand. Uh, we didn't, I, as a 12-year-old, I didn't know to do that. And I'm not saying that that's what God really ordained for that moment. The point is that God, for a number of minutes, he was out in the, in the spirit of the Lord. So we used to understand that as Pentecostals. When we talk about the presence and we talk about wanting to flee and we talk about being breathless and we talk about being troubled, oh, not so much. We don't want to talk about that. Ooh, Grandma, Grandma Esther didn't say those things. I've been in this all my life. Well, the time you say you can't learn something new out of the Word of God, you better... You better get back to the altar if you can find one. So, when you're in the presence of the Lord, which is what we're talking about right now, yes, we need His presence. We need the overwhelming overshadowing of the dunamis power of God. We welcome Him. And when you welcome his presence, you're going to get all of God. But the main operatives of his person are going to be his heart, Elohim, that softens you. But you're also going to have Shaddai, who is, this is like lover and warrior. Have you noticed that? Oh, I just want to lay in the presence of God. Yeah. I don't want to do anything. Oh, we've heard that. You are soft there. But if God's really in it, Shaddai is going to be working on the things that are appointed for you in regard to the times that are not hidden from him. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You talk about 
the presence and his presence recognize that God's going to be doing many things. He's going to come as Elohim to touch your heart, make it soft, you commune with him. But Shaddai, that dimension of his training and his wanting you to be as precise, obedient, skilled sons, is going to be doing a bit of troubling. Now, your son mind, your sonship mind, when you contemplate these things, you're going to be in awe. And maybe not in a pleasant awe. There's a lot of different types of awes. A-W-E-S. But that's the presence. And the combinative of Elohim Shaddai. I, you can look at it in a lot of other places too. You know, it's... Uh, <sighs> Like Exodus 24. Look through these. You just did that little search that I told you. What is it again? God and Almighty. Make sure that and is capped. Look at it. Look at Exodus 24, 16. The words of Elohim conveyed the knowledge of El Elyon, which is the high places, which saw the vision the vision of the Almighty, the vision of Shaddai, falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. Wow. And that's coming from Balaam. Now, the challenge you have with Balaam, the sin of Balaam, he was mercantile. He was half prophet, will travel. He sold out as a spiritual gunman, as it were. And um, so I'm not really commending that at all. I'm not advocating that. I think that there are a lot of undisciplined prophets and seers that will dance with whatever music's playing. There's, there's no discipline. There's no discretion. And, you know, that's the progressive doctrine. You know, you read Richard Rohr and Thomas Merton and others like that. God is everywhere. He's the cosmic Christ. Everything in the spirit realm is pure and true. Come on. That's such a demonic... It's, it's, it's a demonic pusher saying, come on and taste this. It's very similar to the garden. What has God said? Go ahead, eat that tree that he's restricted you from eating from because he knows if you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like him. There's nothing new in the demonic realm. It's just pitched differently. And, and shame on anyone who's teaching that stuff. It's the pathway to hell. Boy, I'm feisty today. See what one week being absent has done? But here's Balaam, and he he just telling the secrets of the kingdom. He speaks about God speak, Elohim speaking. He speaks about Elion, the high places, knowledge that comes there. He speaks about vision that comes from Shaddai. He speaks about being able to prophesy into that realm. And he, he says some very clear things. I'm not commending him, but I'm saying it. it's what Jesus said. The children of this world are sharper than the, the children of righteousness. Read it. It's in the Bible. We, we need to recognize that, yeah, God is good. He's love. But he wants to train sons that he can use and he can partner with in the kingdom. You have to be meek. You have to be humble if you're going to inherit, enter into that measure of joint heirs and inherit, inheriting. But you you need to recognize that um, you're going to be trained. So yeah, the presence of God is 
glorious. Elohim is there. How wonderful to feel him. How amazing it is to be overwhelmed as your heart is being made soft. But you're going to feel things when you're really in the presence. You may not feel it all the time, but you're going to feel the desire to run away, to flee. That's what the Word says. You're going to feel if you study about the presence, you see people hiding from it. You see people um, wanting to escape. You know, we read about um, Jonah, and he fled from the presence of God. We read about David, what we heard in Sunday school, Psalm 139. Uh, you, you, you read about uh, Adam and Eve hiding from the presence of God. Even at the beginning of Job here, Satan came and appeared to the presence of God. And then he left the presence. So this is all about what goes on in the presence. It's just the truth. And of course the presence, as we've said hundreds of times, is his face his ways, the circle of how he does a thing. I love this. We're living it, which is why he's presenting this to us now. So, just know the parameters of, of what goes on in this. Know the objective of the Lord. It's just from this one small passage in Job that was our signature passage, in Job uh, chapter 23, God created you for purpose, things he wants to do through you. You are, you are a unique creation, fearfully, wonderfully made. God knows his timing. He invites you into his presence. His heart is there. Yours is made soft and vulnerable and tender. That's a wonderful thing. Yes, there are times, many times in the scripture where Elohim is just meeting with us. Where it's not necessarily under the auspices of his presence. Which is really a training regimen. When you're in the presence, he's going to train you. You're, you're going to have awe a sense of awe, both good and challenging. You're going to be being trained by Shaddai, the dimension of God where he trains you and he's with you. Uh, you're, you're going to have vision. You're going to engage in supplication in conjunction with El Shaddai, that dimension of God's person. And it's for the purpose of you representing him among the nations yeah, in the in the in the in the high places that God leads you to. This is also very exciting, and it's all in the Word. You know, it, it, and you know, if you think, and so many have, oh, I'm going to run and tell my pastor. Now, I I appreciate the job that pastors have to do. One of them is from a purist sense, to keep people from getting themselves into trouble. I constantly try to warn my people here from the dalliances of what's going on in the internet in, in so many wacky spiritual environments. Not everybody that's in Balaam was not functioning on behalf of God. God, in his love and mercy, came and really appealed to him. God must have really loved this guy. You read the story. God went to great lengths instead of just frying him. Great lengths to turn him. To not touch God's anointing. So I, you, you try to warn people. It's a big world out there and the enemy wants to destroy you. So don't, don't buy into the nonsense judge things by the word and don't just expect that people 
who have big flourishing ministries are actually functioning on behalf of the word. I remember we used to we used to talk about a guy that was a revivalist. He had big things in Lakeland and other places and had orphanages in Africa. And I bless him. But he would teach things that were not scriptural. And you just knew it wasn't scriptural. He would teach things that some prophet down the road told him, who he respected. And he would base doctrine off that. It's just... It was horrible and he eventually fell I'm not happy about that but oh he had a blowing and going ministry people would go and get knocked out in the spirit I'm, I'm sure God was trying to use him but you have to warn people not everything that says I'm of God is really functioning according to the scripture and the scripture is your foundation you hide that in your heart that you don't miss the mark. It's why the enemy in the garden and in the wilderness temptation of Christ tried to use the scripture to twist it. There's been a concerted effort of the progressive movement in churches to either discredit the word of God, to mock the word of God, to say that to water down the Word of God. You know, it's kind of like currency. You know, when you devalue currency, like if a nation is so much in debt, they will devalue their currency, and suddenly something that used to cost a dollar, for instance, now costs a thousand dollars. Just because they devalue currency. The enemy has tried to devalue the word by adding all kinds of other nonsense. Are these not also words from God? No, they're not. Oh, certainly God was among the Hindus and among the Buddhists and among the Taoists and among these ancient tribal leaders. Certainly their words are equal. We as Protestants used to say to our Catholic friends, you better be real careful saying that the Pope's words are equal to the Scripture. Good grief, if you study the words of the Popes, even the one that's currently on the throne, you'd think, well, that's not Scripture. That's not even of God. And I'm not mocking the Catholics, but I'm just saying, in the spirit realm, you better stick with the Word. How will I know it's the word? Well, for one thing, don't eat anything that you see. You know, we try to treat, teach our little grandson who loves to put food in his mouth. Don't put that in there. One of the funniest things I love to see is, is my wife who focuses on when Levi gets something in his mouth and she suspects it's not food. And she sticks her finger in there and the fight that goes on between the two of them it just cracks me up. Now, it's funny because I saw him put a little pebble, a little piece, maybe came off somebody's shoe into his mouth. And he didn't swallow it. You could see he was moving it around in his tongue. And I looked at him, and he's looking at me, and he's touching my face. And I thought, I'm going to get that pebble out of there. And I stuck my finger in his mouth and fished that stone out. And he didn't fight me, but he sure fights Grandma. And it's hilarious. But for us... Watch what you eat in the spirit realm. Watch what you see. Watch what you listen to, because it may not be scriptural, regardless of who it is that's saying it. God will bring to you, when he's developing you, understandings. And I've learned this. I studied the Word all my life. I memorized scripture, just like all of us good church-going kids I'd read the Bible through in the year. You know, we do these things. Maybe not every year. I study. I went to Bible college. went to seminary. I, seminary. I studied. But I recognized that there were a lot of things that I never saw in Scripture that were never really revealed to me until I, as an intercessor, was partnering with God and God's Spirit came and shined the light on it. And then, voila! It became clear, and I thought, look at that, just like this with the presence. 
just like this with Elohim and Shaddai. Look, look at this. How God takes those things about supplication and visions and even the rudimentary understandings which are still meat of the word of God, of the names of God. And now he puts them all together and says, here you are in my presence. What does it mean to be in the presence? What does it mean to feel these things that you feel? Here it is in the Word. Why am I doing this? Well, this is why. And then that opens up tributaries of the streams of understanding in the Word. And you study that and you're overwhelmed by this, but you never saw it before. If you would just focus on what God is giving you as meat right now and make sure you understand that, you would be so full that you wouldn't think you'd have to be searching what every Tom, Dick, and Harriet is teaching on the Internet. Boy, I'm really meddling today, aren't I? Maybe it's El Shaddai speaking through me. I hope so. So study Elohim Shaddai throughout that study that I just asked you to do in your Bible program. And look at it particularly in Job. We'll see what God wants to do um, for with this for our seminar that's coming. But it doesn't hurt you to be studying it now so that when we actually teach something, when we're all together, you're not staring at me like a cow looking at a new gate. I get those looks a lot. And in fairness, when I see something in the Word, that's what I look like. The thing that separates sons from friends of the program is that they actually want to do something with what God's revealing, and they actually want to do a little bit of studying for themselves. It's amazing what the Spirit will say to you if you just give Him the chance. Whew. So... Thank you, Father, for your presence. In just this brief amount of time, we've talked about some precious things. This is not a be-all, end-all of this truth, but at least we recognize this. The presence of God is that faculty, that dynamism in the spirit realm wherein he is preparing the sons of Elohim for partnership in his timing and in accordance with what he created you to be. It will involve vision. It will involve supplication. It will make your heart soft. It will also challenge you. God will chasten and train you that's all going on in his presence and a whole lot more but at least for this so what happens if you're praying and you suddenly feel this f f flight syndrome and maybe even you get scared I've been there I told about one time I was here during the early days of God's visitation in this house our youth group was also on fire in the things of the spirit and they had some kind of activity on a Friday night and I had to pick up uh, my daughters so I came up here to the church I was in my office waiting for the kids to get back and the presence of the Lord I know was mighty in my office and I felt I didn't hear I, 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 I didn't, it was so loud inside my head I wondered whether it was actually a, an audible voice or just something that God was speaking and said go into the sanctuary well it's Friday night it's dark I'd like to move through this place it's, I know it so well after 40 years I moved through this place in the dark I figure that if there's anybody in the place that wants to do any problem uh, I know my place better than they do and I can navigate in the darkness and uh, with great, I can be very adroit in that. Well, I got to the doors of Peace Chapel, and I opened the doors. It was dark in there. And I was petrified. It was so 
alarming in his presence. And I stood there for a couple of minutes and I don't, I, I, I admit, I did not go in. I told you about the time I was in the balcony and I felt the Spirit of God come in, in an amazing way and suddenly I felt like I couldn't breathe. Suddenly in me I felt I wanted to run, I, even my mind charted I was going to go out into the parking lot, get out of the building. I didn't do that. There is an awe in the presence of God. Why does that happen? God plays tricks on us? No. No, that's not the case. It's just the overwhelming nature of who He is. I think it's that spirit within us that's born again only through Christ. I think when God comes in and, and He draws you into His presence and His timing and your identity in Him all meet at that focal point moment, I think that that spirit, that ma'ah, instead of just pulsing, it wants to go home. And I think it wants to flee out. And I think your body recognizes if that goes, I'm dead. And I think the whole feeling of not knowing if you can breathe or not is that rush of the breath of God to meet, meet God Almighty who sent Him. It's His presence. It's His Spirit. I think that's what's happening. But the whole reason you've got that spirit within you, the whole reason Jesus came to quicken that spirit when you accept him, his sacrifice at the cross, is for you to fulfill what he put you on this earth to do. You'll give that up at the end of life. Scripture says that. Even Jesus at the cross, into your hand, that partnership place, I commend my spirit. And I think when God brings you into his presence, it's not his visitation, not, the, not just the glories of his spirit, not just angelic visitation, as wonderful as those are, not just partnering with his glory, but into the presence. It's where it makes to me it helps to explain why the scripture can say no man will see my face and live when other scriptures say you're face to face with God you see him here in the presence you're in his face what was God saying when you come there life <laughs> you meet eternity right there Life as you know it on earth is on that thin barrier between being here and being in eternity. It makes perfect sense if you just let it make sense. There's no contradiction in the scripture. We're in a good place. God loves you. You're called to be saints. This is our moment to serve. What a privilege. God is holding nothing back. The presence of God is beckoning you. But just know what it is before you click your heels and skip into it. It's not all cherry blossoms and roses and candles burning. Yeah, he's there. But he has a work for you. What work it is. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this. I speak blessing over these people. I ask you that you will meet with them Help us, Father, not to fail you in this. Let us be exactly what you want us to be. We are yours. I ask that you will provide for whatever your people need. Those who are suffering in body at this moment, 
I ask that your healing power would visit them even now. May they reach out and touch you. And may the dunamis of your function invigorate their mortal body. And may they be well. Provide jobs. Provide. Open your door, your doors. Close off those that are not of you. Encourage, strengthen, give financial provision, promotion, favor. Let us not lack for anything. You are the God who supplies. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is the, is the delight of fulfilling the work of the Father, just as Gideon did, just as so many others in the Scripture did. Let us dwell with you in your presence, and let us not fail in any of the dimensions of how you are wanting to form us. We love you, Father. We thank you for it. And we proclaim all of these things confidently in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you, being with you again. And don't forget to register for the upcoming seminar. It's just a little over a month away now. And uh, we'll see you again this weekend. God bless and goodbye.